0: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news. You get the best insight and analysis into everything that's happening in the world of football, at the biggest clubs, the smallest clubs and everywhere else as well. Joining me, as always, is our transfer guru, Duncan Castles. And of course, today is Wednesday's edition, which means it's your questions answered. Now, to lead us into questions answered, I'm going to ask Duncan a quick question because he has got some breaking news. Duncan, we know Manchester City are looking for centre half. What's the latest?
1: Yes, desperately need a centre back because Vincent Kompany is left of his own volition. Um, Pep Guardiola doesn't have faith in, in John Stones anymore. They, as we all know, have been. Um, in, there's a strong interest in Harry Maguire, um, as there is at Manchester United, but big competition for that player and doubts over whether he is the ideal fit for Manchester City. I can tell you, Manchester City have been looking for alternative options on the market. Um, the one they are currently exploring with the most fervour is the Espanol centre back Mario Hermoso, um, a 24 year old who has broken into the Spanish national team recently, um, made his debut for Spain in November and has played several times since. Um, impressed in his uh, two seasons. With Espanol, product of the Real Madrid um, youth system, he is a, an interesting uh, prospect in terms of being able to secure him at a reasonable price. In that he has a, a three-year contract to Espanol, he's going entering the final year of of that deal. It has what, by current standards for Premier League centre backs, is a relatively low. Um, release clause price of €40 million and there is a feeling that could be negotiated down because he only has one year left uh, at his current club. Also wanted by Atletico Madrid as a replacement for uh, Lucas Hernandez who um, moved to Bayern Munich for €80 million and another release clause deal this summer similar to Hernandez in that he's left-footed, can play at left-back, Uh, if necessary, um, although his preferred position is centre-back. And and I think that's an additional element of attraction for City in that if they were to take Hermoso, they would have a player they could put in alongside Americ Laporte, who is the clear first choice and has had um, what Pep Guardiola considers to be a very good first season, um, uh, added a major element to uh, their attacking um, credentials with his, uh, his left foot passing and also be able to use Hermoso um, as an alternative to Benjamin Mendy should Mendy not manage to establish himself in the City team in his third full season, um, having suffered uh, several injuries in his first two seasons and, and um, drawing Guardiola's ire by some of his uh, off-field behaviour and his um, and his performances on the training ground. So, um, an alternative, cheaper alternative, much cheaper alternative to Harry Maguire, who I think would, would fit uh, from a footballing perspective more Guardiola's idea of playing the game, and uh, and also offer options at left back.
0: Well, we actually have a, a very good question here, Duncan, from
1: Ryan, who's at
0: RazorMark Three Thousand who says, bearing in mind United scouting and transfer policy is a shambles. I think that's uh, forthright as they come there. Uh, Duncan suggests that they should stay well away from Maguire. So why would City also be looking at him? Cheers.
1: I think it's a lack of options. I think uh, if you, as I say, City have been put in an uncomfortable position here because um, John Stones had a very bad season. Uh, Johnstone should be the starting centre back for Manchester City. He was signed for a record fee for a defender. He was the the young English talent that all or almost all the top clubs in England were fighting to get. They put down a big transfer fee, big wages. He should fit Guardiola's type of football because he's a he's a. a Playmaking, a a, a a defender who is comfortable on the ball and whose strength is in his um, abilities on the ball rather than his physicality, but um, he basically um, went off the footballing rails last season. Um, if you look at his appearance record, it's poor, and it, and it's not that was not because of injury. That was primarily because Pep Guardiola lost faith in him, lost faith in the way he was playing, lost faith in the way he was training, lost faith in the way he was looking after himself and, uh, and decided um, to go with Vincent Kompany um, when company was fit. Um, the intention of the club had been to retain company for at least another season. Um, they'd been discussing a contract and then uh, their captain, who had an exceptional end, To the season, as we all know, Um, I got received an offer to go back to Belgium and uh, and manage and play for his boyhood club Anderlecht, which was so attractive to him. He took it, Uh, and that left City then going from a position where they could have probably have gone for a younger centre back who they could groom into. Becoming starting centre back down the line and uh, put pressure on Stones to to get himself in order to needing someone they could rely upon, um, and that I think is the only reason why Harry Maguire is in the picture here because he does not he's not um, the defender you would choose if you were recruiting for Pep Guardiola. He is as um, Guardiola himself has pointed out to his players. Not very quick. Um, if you watch the Amazon documentary on Manchester City that came out last season, there's a an interesting little section when they're playing Leicester City and Guardiola um, instructing Kevin De Bruyne to take advantage of uh, Harry Maguire because, as um, Guardiola puts it, because the guy is not fast, you will find space here. Um, the The idea that you make Maguire as Leicester want um, the most expensive defender of all time and put him in the middle of that. Um, Manchester City defence is a strange one. Manchester City like to play with a high line. As Guardiola points out, he lacks pace. If you, as a defender, lack pace and you're playing with a high line, you're exposed. Your mistakes turn into um, chances for the opposition and goals for the opposition. Whereas a defender like Virgil van Dijk can get away with making an error in the high line because he has the pace to recover and get back and and tackle. Harry Maguire doesn't have that. Um, I know that uh, there was discussions with Sergio Ramos um, at the period in which it looked like Either um, Madrid were going to move Ramos out of uh, the club because they were unhappy with his uh, behaviour in the dressing room, which went on for quite a while um, at the end of last season. And then in the period in which Ramos called uh, Madrid's bluff and and said he was interested in leaving the club, uh, there were discussions there to find out whether Ramos would be interested in moving to England. That uh, that possibility is obviously gone because... um, Ramos and Real Madrid are reconciled and he will continue to be captain under Zidane. If you look around the market at the moment, there just isn't a a large number of candidates who can go straight into a team that's trying to compete for the Champions League and play the kind of football that Guardiola wants. The obvious uh, individual is Matthias de Licht, City did want the player. There was a period during the season which Ajax expected City uh, to bid heavily for him and thought he, that, that City were going to be lo- his most likely destination when he left this summer. The problem there is that Mino you know, Raiola represents the Lecht, Um On top of the 75 million euro plus fee that Ajax are looking for, you have to pay the player exceptionally high wages. Um, Barcelona thought they had an agreement for 9 million euros net. Uh, Raiola said that wasn't enough and has been um, offering them around Europe to Paris Saint Germain, Manchester United, um, Juventus most recently, on the basis that they pay 12 million or upwards net a season for the player. On top of that, the word is that Raiola wants a 20% commission on the transfer fee. Um, he's used to getting substantial commissions and deals. So add all of those together, and you're looking at an extremely expensive. Transaction in the order of 200 million euros plus for a five year deal to bring the at 19 to England. And obviously, City are aware that uh, the one weakness in his game is, is dealing with aerial balls, which will be more more exposed in England than anywhere else. Guardiola has a history with um, Mino Raiola, would prefer not to do a deal with him. It looks like the lift is off the, the cards for that reason. Therefore, looking at alternatives, and I'm told Maguire is a real possibility. He does have the attraction of being English, um, so you get a homegrown player into a squad that's getting short and homegrown players. But the fact that they're um, they're looking at Hermoso and trying to find other options on the market shows that there is, one, a degree of scepticism over whether Maguire is the right man, and two, whether they can get him at a reasonable price with Manchester United um, having that desire uh, to bring the player and, uh, and, and a greater need, I think, for a new centre-back than Manchester City do.
0: As I understand it, Duncan, the current situation, uh, or lay of the land, if you like, is this. Um, Brendan Rodgers had a very forthright conversation with Maguire um, regarding his future at the end of last season. Uh, Maguire said he wanted to leave um, if the top six club made a, a, an acceptable offer to Leicester City and that um, Brendan Rodgers is currently and has been um, preparing for Maguire's departure by lining up potential replacements for the player. Now, that said, Leicester City are a club who we know do not need to sell uh, the player and therefore they're in a position where they can simply sit back and wait for offers to come in. Now, so far, my understanding or my information is that Manchester United have, have made a value declaration of require around fifty million pounds with add-ons, which could eventually see the fee rise to seventy, but are certainly not willing to go beyond that and meet what is assumed to be Leicester's valuation, which is above Virgil van Dyke's world record transfer to Liverpool of £75 million. City, however, so far, and this ties in with what you've told us about uh, Mario Hermoso, um, have not made a value declaration yet to Leicester City with regards to what they're prepared to pay. And therefore, their interest has to be seen as... And it's it's a little bit Johnny-come-lately as well, because you've got to remember that um, there has been contact between uh, Maguire's representatives and um, Leicester City and Manchester United for some weeks and months now with regards to the potential transfer of the player to Old Trafford. I wonder, and this is just me playing devil's advocate and everyone loves a bit of that, are City trying to play United in this market? Is their interest... Actually, one hundred percent, or are they effectively getting involved in a transfer? That they they don't really have a great amount of confidence or belief in completing, but would see a player go for a higher price to their city rivals, a player who they don't value it the same way as United do. Um, but if you if you like, if Guardiola. As he said, as you quoted Duncan in that documentary, that he's not quick, you can take advantage of him. Are they almost trying to uh, see United buy the player so that they can then play the next season and take advantage of those weaknesses?
1: Well, the briefing I have is that Maguire is a real possibility. Um, so I think I think there is genuine work being done there. But it has to be said, if you don't get the player and and it's clear that he's not the ideal signing for City. Um, you, know, that, that's, you, you just have to analyse the way Guardiola is as a coach and the way Harry Maguire is as a player, that he's not an ideal fit for that system. Um, therefore, they would prefer to do something else in, in a perfect world. They don't have a perfect world at present. But if they don't get the player, it certainly doesn't do them any harm if he's going to end up at Manchester United and they manage to drive the price up. Um, So I think uh, being seen to be involved um, and then making a decision that the price is too high for them and going elsewhere, if that is how it resolves, it won't uh, be a negative for them if that forces Manchester United to get closer to Leicester City's really, really top evaluation of Maguire. Because I put Maguire on the market at... £75 million, £80 million and ask any top European club whether they'd be interested in signing him to become the uh, leading figure in the defence. It's not going to happen which makes you wonder what Manchester United are thinking other than, well, he's British, um, he's an England international, he's at a good age at 26, Um, we can see his value increase if we put him in our squad, Um, it fits our strategy for this season. Um, you have to ask why Manchester United are going there um, because it that, for me, is a risky transfer for the reasons I've outlined in the way he plays. And with Maguire, you put him in that Manchester United defence, you're asking him to solve a lot of problems, uh, a lot more problems than, than he would have to solve if he went into the Manchester City defence.
0: Well, we've said it before, people, if you're out shopping this week and you see a very expensive centre-back on the shelf for 80 million quid and there's another one for 40, then please let us know and we'll pass it on to Mr Ed Woodward uh, and see what he comes up with with regards to that. Speaking of expensive transfers, though, um, amazingly, it seems, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, fresh from uh, Champions League final appearance and uh, no signings in 18 months, are in the midst of a quite complex and very expensive, it has to be said, from their point of view, um, transaction with uh, Olympic Lyon um, for the holding midfielder Tangi and Duncan. Now, a lot of people seem to think this is a done deal, but um, you believe there's quite some work to be done. Is that correct?
1: I, I believe it's not a done deal. I think um, the money that Tottenham are putting down is very attractive. To Leon, um, we're talking an initial uh, sixty-two million euros um, with performance-related bonuses. Is the is the figure that's being mooted? Um, Leon want to sell players this summer. Um, uh, the president Jean-Michel Olas has been clear about that. In fact, I think he said publicly at one point, "It's first come, first served" in terms of who amongst his cast of uh, of uh, players in demand across Europe he'd be willing to sell. Um, my briefing from the Leon end is Ndombele is one of the players he is more uh, open to selling. He has him on a long-term contract. The, the valuation is high because of that. There is interest from Juventus and from Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I'm told he would prefer to sell him uh, Ndombele for a good fee this summer rather than, for example, Moussa Dembeli who um, has only been there a year, has scored a lot of goals in France in his first season despite not being the first choice at the beginning of that season. Um, and Olas's reckoning seems to be, unless he gets a very big offer for the belly this summer, it's uh, it would be more strategic to retain him for another season, have him scoring goals in France again, uh, hopefully break into the, the France national team, have his value increased that way um, ahead of the the European championships and then take a very big transfer fee next summer and this is the way Lyon work they are are ultimately a selling club Um, they uh, work on the basis that their top players will be picked off by the the richer clubs in Europe and they want to use that revenue uh, to reinvest in their team and get stronger and stronger in the Champions League uh, and have a chance of competing with PSG in France on a much smaller budget and Dombele they signed last summer in a permanent deal taking up an option for €8 million Euros, um, uh, to make him their player. So you're, you're looking at very substantial profit there, although I believe there is a, a, a sell-on clause to his previous club, Amiens, involved. Um, I'm told that Tottenham are desperate to secure this deal and that they have offered in extremely high wages, I'm told over €100,000 a week, well over €100,000 a week to sign them, which is way up the pay scale um, for Tottenham Hotspur. I think the player, from what I, I've heard, although he gave an interview last week um, about Tottenham in, in which he talked about them being a great club and a big team, um, will need convincing that it's the right place to go. Um, I had a chat with someone at Lyon last week, and he was saying, and has seen um, his teammate Ferran Mendy move to Real Madrid. He sees uh, his international teammate Paul Pogba on the going on the way to Real Madrid, and he he sees himself in that category of player uh, and sees himself as being as at least as capable of, of Mendy, and therefore deserving of a move to a club of that level. I'm um, also told that although Juventus's interest was strong, he does not fancy um, going to Syria. A. Um, he doesn't like the football there and he doesn't like the environment of racism that's involved in the country and that, that will be a factor in his decision. And And he had been thinking, I was told, of spending another year at Lyon um, and seeing how things went on, on his current contract and seeing what deals came towards him. But now you have a situation where Tottenham are offering the kind of money that Leon will accept um, they 're in that area. Leon are at actually talking about bringing um, a replacement and naming the, one of the replacements they, w- they would uh, they would like, which is the Leo um, central midfielder uh, Tiago Mendes, as a potential replacement for him so it 's obviously well advanced. Um, I think what it says about Tottenham is fascinating because Belly is the kind of player. That uh, Pochettino had been asking for when drawing up a uh, transfer strategy for this summer and that he wanted more technical more mobile uh, midfielders he felt that that was something lacking in his team wanted upgrades on the likes of Eric Dyer uh, to be able to play a faster football in the midfield and Endum belli is very much a fit for that. Um, there are some question marks in France about the consistency of his performance. He is, and we'll—if you go back and watch the way Leon played against Manchester City in the Champions League last season, you'll see an exceptional performance from him in terms of dominating in midfield and, and creating chances with with his passing. But people in France say, at 22 years of age, that there there's another level for him to step up to. Um, he's not been a consistent performer. They feel that he kind of rests on on his laurels at times. So if this does go through, it's going to be a a management challenge for Pochettino to have a player coming on with that status of transfer fee and that status of salary um, and get him operating well in the the Premier League straight away. But it does tell you that Pochettino... um, when he had those discussions with Daniel Levy at the end of the season, when he was pushing and pushing and pushing and saying, something has to change here. I've, I've taken this club as far as I can on the current policy. We're going to have to invest in better players if we want to get to the next level. It tells you that Levy has responded to that and is putting down an offer that would be a, a club record. Uh, fee for a player and, and has already put an offer down for another uh, player, Giovanni Lo Celso uh, at Betis, which would also have been a, a club record fee if Betis had accepted it. So there, there is a change here, a significant change.
0: It's intriguing as well, Duncan, because I think uh, we know uh, our old friend Daniel Leveridge, as we like to call him, um, will be telling <laughs> Mauricio Pochettino. So I'm keeping up my end of the bargain. Um, we had these three meetings uh, in Madrid ahead of that Champions League final. And you told me this is what you need and what you want. i yeah. now delivering or attempting to deliver that to you. And it's very, very interesting that you say uh, that people who know Ndombele believe he's got another level to, to achieve. we was saying to, to Pochettino, OK, I've invested the money. Now you've got to coach these players to become world-class and to get us to the position we are challenging Properly for the Premier League title, Champions League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because I'm not going to spend this silly money on players who are just vanity projects. Uh, because you think they're they're very good. So I think the interesting thing from um, Pochettino's point of view has got to be how these players now um, perform next season. Should they sign for Tottenham Hotspur? And of course, how Tottenham performs as a team because they've got some problems there as well. You've got the um, ongoing situation with Christian Eriksen who has publicly stated his desire to leave with one year left in his contract. Nothing has been decided yet uh, regarding Toby alder and um, who again has one year left unless someone comes in with a £25 million offer, which you have to expect someone will for such a good player, uh, an experienced player, at the highest level, um, albeit he's 29 years old. He's clearly got a lot in him in terms of um, being able to achieve higher things and, and, and great things should he be playing in a team like Tottenham or somewhere else. So, in terms of, um, it's a big, it's a big summer, big somewhere, a big window for Spurs Duncan because um, if they're got, they are prepared to spend these sums and change that transfer policy, which Daniel Levy was determined uh, would remain in place, then I guess the clever thing from from Levy's point of view is that he flips the pressure back onto Pochettino.
1: Yeah, that's true. And and I think you're right to raise that it will be a new challenge for Pochettino in the sense that he will then be having a player coming to the club for, if not quite a top valuation, you know, a a top valuation, for a 22-year-old coming from France. And the expectation for that player to deliver is going to be really high. And Pochettino really hasn't had that kind of coaching managerial job before. Um, he's been bringing players through and, and bringing players on uh, on lower transfer fees and I, I guess the closest comparison would be Davison Sanchez who's um, the record transfer fee for Tottenham at present bought from Ajax um, two seasons ago for 42 million euros um, I remember having a a discussion with, with a contact at Ajax about that fee and saying for shock that Daniel Leverage was prepared to spend 42 million on a centre-back who I think had had one season in, uh, in European football at the time when, when Tottenham signed him and saying there must be um, variables involved in that, that can't be straight up. And he said, no, no, that's straight up 42 million euros. We Dutch know how to negotiate, was his, uh, was his reply. And, and you'd have to say that two years down the line, Um, he's right. Uh, The Dutch did know how to negotiate and seem to have got the better of that deal. And Davinson Sanchez still has some distance to go before he justifies um, the fee that that Tottenham paid on him. Um, And if Pochettino is going to get uh, Endombele and Lo Celso or someone of that ilk um, 2 let's say he has two big significant signings coming into the squad, we will have to see how he, he does with them. But, you know, it's a it's a much more positive challenge to have. And it is giving Pochettino the tools he'd been asking for, to uh, which he said were necessary to take Tottenham to the next level. So now he has to go and demonstrate that he is uh, capable of doing that.
0: Interesting also, Duncan, that, uh, again, with reference to very current events that... Um, you know, we we talked obviously a lot in the last six months about Pochettino being wanted by the biggest clubs in the world, and you know, obviously doors closed unexpectedly and unexpectedly early on him with regards to Manchester United and Real Madrid. Now we know that Chelsea had also had registered a very big interest in Pochettino with regards to um, coming to Stamford Bridge, and now, of course, uh, as we talked about on Monday's edition of the Transfer Window podcast, uh, once Frank Lampard returned from his holiday, which he did. On Tuesday night. Um, whoa! Amazing surprise, shock, <laughs> horror. All of a sudden, Derby County are uh, giving permission to talk, for uh, Lampard to talk to Chelsea, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And that obviously, that deal will be done very quickly in the next 24 to 48 hours. It will be announced, and Frank and Jody Morris will be at the training ground at Cobham come Friday when the players report back for biometric testing ahead of pre season. Now, do we think that Poggettino? I'm not saying he's going to regret, but you know, with regards to you know pledging his future. But you know, Sarri sacking was not a shock. But at the same time, if Lampard, let's just say theoretically, Lampard was you know not quite first choice, but there was some doubts about him because of experience. Surely Pochettino would have been massively in the frame to take over from Sari.
1: I, I think if you give Chelsea a free hit at that i.e. they didn't have to pay the levels of compensation that were required and go through the process of trying to get them out from Daniel Levy, um, yeah I, I'm sure Chelsea would prefer to have um, Maurizio Pochettino as manager rather than Frank Lampard. You'd be getting a, a guy of uh, whose status in the game is exceptionally high and who's demonstrated is, is worth in the Premier League but that wasn't the case and um, The idea of of trying to negotiate with Levy to take him to take Pochettino across the city um, after he'd taken the club to a Champions League final, I think, would scare uh, most people off. So, and also, I think Pochettino is a is an interesting character in the sense that he's been prepared to um, chat up. I think he could use the 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 phrase here, um, the biggest names. in in world football. He's prepared to take advantage of his status uh, to flirt with Real Madrid and Manchester United um, to see what was on the table at those clubs. Um, And he has gone into press conference after press conference last season and and done several interviews where he's even talked about um, leaving the club and whether it was the right time to leave and and how he would uh, manage at, at some other clubs and whether his managerial method would, would work at some other clubs. But he's done all that alongside having a degree of loyalty and uh, and it, it seems always had as a, as a bargaining chip and a, and a sense that if he could get Levy to commit to spending on the squad, um, it wasn't a bad option for him to remain there. So I think he's played the game well and, uh, and he's now getting at least a good chunk of what he asked for in terms of on-field playing resources and changes to the squad. He has the stadium, he has the the training ground, Um, he has a a nice age profile to that team. They've done something they've never done before in getting to the Champions League final. Um, They had a horrendous end to the season in reality. If you actually look at the results, um, the results fell off a cliff. Um, at the end of the season and, and uh, it was only really that uh, that last second um, victory that uh, Christian Eriksen described as fortunate um, at Ajax that took them to the final that, that put such a, a glow on their season but um, he, is, he is where he, um, he's in a situation that he wanted to be in if he was remaining at Tottenham and uh, and now we'll see how he how he develops from there. Uh, there is more pressure on him for sure. If if they get these transfers in, they put them uh, in place, and uh, Pochettino comes out in first press conference of the season and is asked about the investment from the club and says yes. Um, now we're ready to to start that new chapter. Then he'll have to deliver.
0: Well, as appealing as some kind of wrestling match between Daniel Levy and Marina Gorovskaya is to all of us um, who love uh, a good fight. Uh, We might have to wait for that one for another year uh, or two, that's for sure. One thing we don't have to wait for uh, in terms of um, what's been going on in the last few days is uh, to ask ourselves what is happening at Newcastle United after, obviously, the confirmed departure of Rafa Benitez and, um, as Duncan had predicted, that he would move to China. And it's also safe to say that um, Dr. Castle's caused quite a stir when uh, the um, news of a potential takeover um, first came to light and you guys asked lots of questions about whether Josie Mourinho would be prepared to go to Newcastle in a revamped structure where there was money to spend, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, lots of you, quite rightly, have come back and asked the same question and said, now that Rafa's gone, but OK, the takeover has not been confirmed yet, would Josie put himself in that position? Duncan, what can you tell us?
1: Well, I think when we talked about it at the time, um, I explained that... Newcastle United was not Jose Mourinho's first choice of football club, um, which is a very obvious statement to make. But he had uh, had played uh, his game through the summer trying to find a club that could compete for the Champions League and could win things domestically and had the right structure to support him. His priority, his preferred club, was Paris Saint-Germain which would have allowed him to do something similar to what he was doing in Manchester in the sense that he could uh, have retained a family home in London and commuted um, when he was able to between the two cities and and have a base in in Paris to work from. Um, A lot of effort went into trying to secure that job. As we told you a long time ago in the transfer window podcast, the Emir of Qatar had made a decision to uh, retain Tuchel as his coach and the job wasn't going to become available. Um, As a result, Mourinho missed out on that job. He missed out on the opportunity to pursue the interest there was at Internationale, that job ending up in the hands of one of his uh, uh, his great rivals, Antonio Conte, which was uh, upsetting for him. And, there was an opportunity at Bayern Munich uh, with Karl-Heinz Rummenigge keen uh, to bring him in as a replacement for Kovac, but Kovac finished the season well enough to retain his job. So essentially, no jobs available, um, no jobs um, that he had the opportunity to take that fitted his search criteria. He was asking questions about the Newcastle United takeover and wanted to know um, if there was serious money involved um, and whether the owner coming in was one who could uh, affect the transformation um, and what what his project and plan would be and whether that could be an option within England. Um, I think you can see that uh, given the way um, Rafa Benitez has decided to leave the club um, of his own volition, uh, not renewing, not taking up offers of, of new contracts there, and uh, having an offer to go to China and coach, um, and th- there has been no um, concrete development in terms of a takeover. That, uh, as as we said in the podcast earlier this week, that that takeover remains in in great doubt, um, and certainly there does not seem to be an indication that we're going to get a Manchester City-style takeover in which a hugely uh, affluent individual comes in and does a money-no-objects rebuild of the club. Um, So in those circumstances, I I think the most likely outcome here at present looks like Mike Ashley continues in control of the club. And I think if Mike Ashley is in control of the club, you can very safely rule out any possibility of Jose Mourinho going there. And I think it's extremely unlikely he would go there unless you had that, um, you know, that that game changer takeover um, at a club that could make it attractive to him. And and then you know, even in those circumstances you would need the, the buying group or buying individual to decide that Mourinho was the coach they wanted um, to uh, to start the rebuild. So um, I wouldn't worry too much about whether Jose Mourinho is going to be the next manager of Newcastle United or not. I think it would be more concerning is how long the club is going to remain in the hands of the current ownership, uh, given his um, Economic model for running the club uh, and given the category of manager that he is likely to seek to employ to to just keep things ticking over and to remain in the Premier League and wait for someone to meet his two hundred and fifty million pound equity value asking price for the club
0: well Duncan I spent a day yesterday at the cricket Lords it was it was a very nice day indeed with a, a big fan of Newcastle United and um, We agreed that um, when Mike Ashley had his crisis meeting with Rafa and the players and got himself an £8.50 lasagna, uh, the writing was on the (laughs) wall with regards to how much money was going to be available for Rafa to spend this summer. And so Rafa knew there and then when the Parmesan cheese was being passed out that it was time for him to leave. Um, With Josie, I find it quite intriguing and interesting in the sense that um, when the takeover talk... uh, surfaced and it looked very exciting and Newcastle fans were getting excited he didn't exactly say he wanted the job, he didn't distance himself from the idea of it and yet he spent quite a lot of time in the Middle East doing um, television punditry etc etc so there is a chance obviously that he may well have come across Sheikh Khaled, the the, uh, man who is purported to be leading the um, proposed takeover at St James's Park during that time but in the last Two days since Rafa uh, Benitez's departure was confirmed, he's been quite quiet, and even some people are saying is, you know, he's distancing himself from the possibility of that. Um, I did speak to someone who's a friend of his um, after the initial um, news of the takeover had broken, and Josie had expressed an interest, and um, uh, he suggested that someone needs to tell Josie he needs to take a holiday <laughs> and, and, re- and reconsider his options. Uh, for his managerial career, um, if you see considering Newcastle United. So um, let's just say that Josie, being a a great um, uh, lover of Italy and Italian culture, when someone pays £8.50 for the lasagna, I think that tells him what he needs to know about not joining Newcastle United as well.
1: Yeah, look, he spent some time in Qatar working for Bien. uh Qatar is obviously the place to be if you're trying to get a Paris Saint-Germain job. Um, there were meetings held over there with senior people at Paris Saint-Germain to discuss the possibility at the time. Uh, I think with Newcastle, it, what I understand, it was no more than Mourinho trying to find out if the takeover was real and if there was serious money involved. Um, but... There's an impatience there. Um, He's a man who likes to be working. Uh, He wanted to be back in work for the coming season. He wanted to be back in work now. He wanted to be preparing pre-season, working on transfer market, um, building a new club, um, a new squad uh, to win things this season. And he's not been able to do that. And as long as he's in in that position of frustration and wanting to get back into football, I think there are opportunities there for... um, someone to make him the right offer Um, and it'll be interesting in the coming season to see which of the the big name coaches at the big clubs come under pressure um, first and uh, and whether uh, Mourinho emerges as options to replace them.
0: Well people, it's Wednesday which doesn't just mean it's your questions answered, it means we also award the famous donkey to someone or somebody who has impressed us with regards to current uh, issues and um, news that's been going on. And uh, this week, we have decided to um, bestow the very, very illustrious title to Gareth Bale and call it the Gareth Bale Award for being persistently pursued by a club without actually signing for them. Now, the um, nominations are in, and I'm pleased to say that I can open the golden envelope uh, we still have the budget for the golden envelope as well as the award here we go and Duncan, the nominations are Chelsea Football Club and the pursuit of Pep Guardiola which I think we all know went on for years and years and years and when he finally decided to come to England it wasn't to West London secondly and I think this is a very strong contender uh, given the conversation between Neymar Junior and Real Madrid in fact, Real Madrid president Florentino Perez telling Neymar's dad, uh, "Very, very, um, so, uh, strictly. This is Real Madrid. You must come to us now, or you will never come to us." And this was before, obviously, a year before he left Brazil and signed for Barcelona. And it, we wouldn't be anything in the Gareth Bale Award for this uh, persistently pursued by a club and not signing for them without Gareth Bale himself being persistently pursued by Manchester United. Without ever signing for them, I uh, hand over to you to give us the winner of this week's
1: dunking. Well, there, um, there's some good nominations. I mean, Neymar uh, was extremely close to joining Real Madrid um, before he left Santos and had a, a an infamous phone call with Florentino Perez, in which he, he Florentino Perez felt he was offended by Neymar, and uh, and Florentino told him essentially, do you know who you're talking to here? Uh, which uh, rapidly turned into Neymar uh, joining Barcelona for um, what were record sums for a transfer out of South America in a very controversial deal and one that Florentino has, has regretted ever since. Uh, Gareth Bale another uh, famous um, catastrophe on the part of a negotiating um, chief executive in that uh, Ed Woodward, in his first, I think it was his first summer at Manchester United, thought he had a great strategy for securing Gareth Bale, which was let Real Madrid um, bid and negotiate with Tottenham uh, until they got close to an agreement and then call his friend Daniel Levy and say, well, we will top that offer um, and beat whatever Real Madrid are are, uh, prepared to give you. Um, as long as you send them to us and uh, Daniel Levy was quite happy to do so Um, a deal that actually involved uh, getting Emmanuel Adebayor off his hands he would have gone to Manchester United as well unfortunately Edward would have done nothing to set up the deal with Gareth Bale and his representatives and and Bale had already decided he was going to Spain so Tottenham were forced to sell uh, Bale for a cheaper offer um, to Spain instead Um, But I'm going to go for uh, the the least risky of these options, given that there is a possibility that both Bale and Neymar might just end up at the clubs we're we're mentioning this summer, uh, given the way the market is. Uh, I'm going to go for the the, the least risky one, and and, uh, Roman Abramovich's long and dogged pursuit of Pep Guardiola, his desire to turn Chelsea into that Barcelona team that he admired so much and and, uh, prevented him from winning the, the Champions League. Uh, at one point early in his time in Russia and Guardiola doggedly refusing uh, to go anywhere near the Russian billionaire when he actually came uh, to work in England and I don't think there's any chance that he ever will work for Chelsea. So I think um, Chelsea and Pep Guardiola win this one.
0: I think a worthy winner there, Duncan. Um, Absolutely. Although it says something about Roman Abramovich that um, uh, urban myth tells us that it was the... Real Madrid um, defeat of Manchester United at Old Trafford uh, 3-2 in a Champions League I think it was quarter or semi-final where he first fell in love with football he'd been taken to the game by Pines ajavi because Roman Brown was looking to buy a club um, and of course he then went from uh, admiring Real Madrid to admiring Barcelona about Guardiola etc etc and the rest as they say is history That's about Everything from us in terms of our Wednesday edition of Your Questions Answered. Please, if you wish, continue the debate with us at our Twitter handle, which is at Transfer Podcast, or directly with Duncan and I. Duncan's at Duncan Castles. I am, of course, at Garbo SJ, as all you Liverpool fans know. And um, we will uh, be happy to answer your questions Uh, and indeed as I said continue our conversations that we've begun in this podcast for now uh, if you liked the podcast and indeed we know thousands of you do and you have done so in the last two weeks please log into iTunes give us a five star review we can expand our community and make this whole thing a lot bigger and better we'll see you back on Friday through the transfer window it just leaves me to say thanks for listening and goodbye